first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Uh, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep Podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherload. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. Welcome everyone to another browsing state of the keep address as usual. If you are tuning into this and you are a regular listener of In the Keep, you already know what's going on, but if you're not, this is uh, this is not an interview show, so if you're hoping to hear from some amazing game developer, today's not your day. You can just skip this one and wait for next week, or go back and listen to the back catalog, or whatever makes you happy. This is for the fans. This is for the people who are super dedicated to the show. I know that you guys are few and far between, but that's okay, because uh, you're the heart and blood of this show, and uh, that's why I make these. And also, my guest this week canceled on me, so we just have to like make the best that we can. And I've spent the last several uh, several hours putting together a uh, list of topics that I think are at least somewhat interesting to people who listen to the show. And we have another surprise for you. You know, usually these are solo. When I do a State of the Keep address, it's just me. But I'm joined by my very special co-host... Alex Pixie. Alec Pixie. Alex Danino. Alexandra. What do you want? Like, I don't care. Fuck you, Alex. <laughs> Fuck you too, Ty. <laughs> um, who will be help, helping out and uh, adding some commentary because, Alex, you had the distinct privilege of letting your phone go off during the podcast. Congratulations. And also of uh, watching most of, the, most of the games that I I'm going to be talking about today. You actually sat there and watched me play through the demos for like an hour earlier. So thanks for doing that. But yeah, so if y'all don't know, Alex is, aside from being my best my best friend and homie, ever since Realms Deep first started back in 2020, it was like over a year ago now, uh, is also the social media manager for 3D Realms. And what what is it you do at Nix Hydra again? Uh, at Nix Hydra, I am the community manager, um, but I basically do a lot of what I also do at 3D Realms because the titles are kind of muddled. Yeah. So, yeah. So what's really the, what's the difference? What What is a, a community, like, because there's so many different ways of putting this as like, you know, marketing director, community manager, uh, social media director, so social media director. It's It's like so all over the place with that all these jobs that basically mean like the person who does our Twitter. I'm just fucking with you, but can you explain a little bit? <laughs> Definitely. Uh, or I can try because I thought I had it figured out until I then got hired by the second company and found out I hadn't figured it out. But the way I see it is that the marketing director 
is the one that comes up with the big well, marketing campaigns. The ones that you really want to push on Steam, on Facebook, and they like, they take a long time. And then it trickles down to the social media manager, who's the one that I would say usually is the one that then posts these things onto Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, and also comes up with the day-to-day posts, the little ones, the ones that aren't as important, but still are important for all the engagement that keeps your fans like awake. Mm-hmm. And then the community manager would be the one to make the community events, for example, such as multiplayer events, book clubs, whatever you want, and possibly also the one in charge of communicating with the fans in comments, replies, stuff like that on the social media. Not necessarily the one uploading things, but then replying to it. However, um, at Nix Hydra, I'm the community manager, but I'm the one posting the social media posts. However, mm-hmm. I'm not the one that come up with most of them. That is the social media manager. So it's kind of like, it's such a new field still that we haven't really figured out a standard way of just calling things what they are. Um, which also makes it really difficult to look for jobs in this field because you don't necessarily know what the job exactly in, entails until you then sit down and have the interview with your possible future employer. And, you know, when I interviewed for Next Hydra, I went up and interviewed for the social media manager position. I didn't get that. But then they said, we want to have you as a community manager. It turns out that's the thing I wanted to do. I just didn't have the right name for it. So that's wonderful. It's yeah, it's really annoying. It's like one of those things where it's like uh, the people looking for employees, essentially, like they actually don't know what they're looking for. They're just like, we just need someone to do all these things. And what do you call that? And then it, they just call it whatever the fuck they want. And we saw, and without saying any names, we saw recently a pretty high profile example of like someone hiring a general to do a soldier's job. Like they, they wanted a soldier and they, they got a, a fucking four star general to do that. <laughs> and it didn't work out. And, you know, best of luck to all involved and, and all of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a really muddled and strange new frontier for just the, in, any person who's involved in marketing in general. But anyway, we, we have a list of topics that we're supposed to get to, so I guess we should start on that. Um, so this is the first real non-interview show that we've done since Realm's Deep, and that comes with a lot of baggage because we introduced a bunch of things to do within the keep. Um, aside from all of the amazing business that we've been doing with uh, Zen sports uh, just earlier today, I don't think that you saw this, but I was watching it while I was talking to you earlier in the keep has been working prominently with Zen sports who are a, an amazing uh, cryptocurrency based um, peer to beer sports betting app application and, you know, just company in general who recently over the past year or so moved into esports, and they've been uh, really great. We've been working with them this entire time doing uh, a lot of, or initially they wanted to do arena FPS games like uh, Zenotic has been one of the big ones. They did a lot of stuff with uh, Diabotical and the main reason for that being that because they're a betting company, they wanted to work with games that uh, 
didn't involve licensing agreements, you know, like open source stuff. And actually they did get a license for Diabotical, which is pretty impressive, I think. But, and also Splinterlands, which is like a card trading game. It's the one I sent you earlier, Alex, that they've been uh, doing some really amazing productions along with our uh, our very own Gelmo son, who is in charge of all that. And that's been really, really good business for In the Keep. And I'm, I'm really proud of that. But uh, at Realms Deep, we introduced a whole different aspect of the business that we run here, being that uh, over the past several years of me interviewing game developers, I decided that, I'm, you know what, I'm a big boy. I, I think I know a thing or two now, and I <laughs> jumped um, way too deep into the de- <laughs> into the, just the deep end of the pool. It's just like how I learned how to swim. Did I ever tell you that story? No, you didn't. So the way that I learned how to swim was that on my sixth birthday, my dad just threw me into the pool and said, sink or swim. I hope he listens to this. I hope he listens to this. I hope he knows that it still traumatizes me to this day. Oh, you poor thing. We'll have to go swimming soon so I can see you cry and be in hysterics. (laughs) Did you you take swimming lessons? Did someone like take you to Um, the community pool? I mean, my grandparents would take me to the pool every summer, um, Mm -hmm. but... Like I was still wearing floaters for a long, long time. Then we actually had swimming lessons at my school. Not all schools in Denmark have swimming lessons, but we had it. So that was instead of PE for like two years. We would mm. well, we would also have PE, but we would also have swimming because we had a pool in the school. Hey, that rhymes. Um, but yeah, so I learned how to swim during my education. Well, my dad just threw me into a pool. Good job. Uh, that's how I learned. And that's uh, that's why I do business the way that I do, because we decided uh, months and months ago, it's probably in January, that In the Keep was going to start making video games. And the first order of business was I had a kind of a vision for what, like, not the game I wanted to make, but like the engine I wanted it to be in and who I wanted to make it. And that was a game that's never going to come out, or at least it's not going to come out for many years from now until we uh, figure out how to do it. But through the process of starting on that game, I did find the team that I was looking for. And that was Uber Gwai and Scumhead. Um, so, I mean, you, you're familiar with Scumhead, at least to some extent, right? With uh, Yeah, a little bit. Like in Thorin Shrine, Stellar Valkyrie, Vomitorium most recently. And oh, yeah. I, I know that this is contentious subject to some people, but I think he's the most amazing sprite artist I think I've ever seen. Um, I don't know that art is so subjective, right? Like so, some people is like, that's hideous. And like to some people hideous is beautiful. And, and what Scumhead does is make the hideous beautiful in my opinion. And I knew that I wanted to work with him and I knew that I could leverage him because he's young and, and impressionable. I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> um, I knew I wanted him to be the artist. And so then the question became like, okay, so who's the best programmer to work in GZ Doom? And there's a lot of answers to that question. There's like so many obvious answers. There's like Mr. Cat from Hellforge Studios, and there's just a a fuck ton of people involved in that. But I've forever been involved in Z Damon community. I say forever as if it had, it's only been like two or three years, but uber Gawai to me was like the most unsung hero of that community like this guy is so unbelievably talented and i can't believe he hasn't really 
worked on a successful commercial product up to now. Um, he did work, I believe, with Brad Carney on Rack, which was like the OG. Like that's actually, if you want to like get right down to the nitty gritty of like history, there there were only like a, a handful of boomer shooters that came out before Dusk, and none of them really took off. And can you name any of them, Alex? Uh, any of the boomer shooters that took off? One, one of these is really important to 3D Realms history, so I hope you know it. Is it Duke Nukem? No. Well, so we have to distinguish here between actual, like, so when Duke Nukem came out, that wasn't a boomer shooter. That was just a shooter, right? That was like a first person shooter, mm-hmm. right? So I'm talking about like the resurgence of the genre when people started oh. trying to make games like that again. That's oh. what a boomer shooter is. That's what a, a retro FPS is, is to to use the proper term. Fucking Iron Fury. No, well, no, way before that. Before that, oh way my god. Um, we're ta- we're talking like way before that. I feel like I'm so, at this. Is, this isn't finals week, is it? <laughs> so I'm out of school. It's a it's a game that was made by two. The the making of this game involved two people that you have a very strong love hate relationship with. One of them is your boss, and the other one is Dave Oshry. Oh, um, oh motherfucker, um, Rise of the Triad. Yes, so Rise of the yeah. Triad. <laughs> this is like pulling teeth, people. Um, fuck you, Dave Oshry. So Rise of the Triad, Rise of the Triads remake was one of them and then there was another game called rack w-r-a-c-k rack mm-hmm. that was made by brad carney who was a very prominent um doom developer he worked on a, a super popular multiplayer port for doom called <laughs> skull tag right and this is a precursor to what is now uh Zandronum, hmm. right? So yeah, I, I assure, like I, I feel like you've probably heard people talk about Zandronum at some point. Like this is how people play like online uh, mod Doom, like really hardcore modded stuff, like a uh, brutal Doom survival, like whatever multiplayer stuff. Um. Anyway, all that aside, out of that community comes someone like Scumhead and and someone like Uber Gawai and. Uber Gawai has been doing his programming for Z Damon, which is a different multiplayer port, which is far more limited than even Zandronum is for so long that he just like, he's like a master programmer. He's like this guy who can just like take the most simple fundamental engine and make it do things that make no sense. He, he made these incredible uh, Christmas maps for, for like these big multiplayer events that we do every Christmas and it would have these giant elves that are actually doom imps, like walking around in the background of Aww. the scenery. It's just like the skybox is like moving characters that are just like monsters and shit. It's so cool. And it's all Christmas, it's all for Christmas. And I just, I like, there's nobody better suited to this project than him. Also, he's my friend and I love him. So we put them together and we didn't get to do the first project that we started on. And then Scumhead came in one day after we had just like, okay, let's like put this on hold. We can't do that right now. We need more, you know, probably more budget or, you know, 
more people involved. And he had this idea for a game, which was like, uh, it had to do with a bird guy and it had to do with space. And that's about all it has in common with, with the, what is currently stellar Valkyrie. Birds in space. We knew that there was a bird and we knew that it was in space. And then he and I spent an entire day sitting down and like fleshing out the idea of like, okay, what can we make this? What can we make? We had some fundamental ideas from him because I I think this was also influenced by like kind of his experiences working on Lycanthorn. It's like, okay, we want like a hub map and we want like an almost Crash Bandicoot style level selection. I hate Crash Bandicoot. How do you hate Crash Bandicoot? I hate Crash Bandicoot. Why? Crash Bandicoot because Crash Bandicoot, fuck off. Crash Bandicoot Ooh. fucking sucks. I hate the um, the platforming in Crash Bandicoot. It's horrible. Wh- which Crash Bandicoot? Like the cu- first couple of ones. Okay, so did you play Crash Bandicoot three Warped? No. Okay, so that's the one I'm talking about anyway. So we can okay, that's fine. Oh. That's fine. Yeah. Right, so fuck Crash um, Bandicoot. So the principle being that you are in a hub level and you get to choose, like you, you get presented with like five or six levels and you get to choose which one you stack. You can tackle them in any order you want. Right. Mm-hmm. And ultimately you, once you complete them all, you get to move on. So that's like kind of the principle structure of how the level selection in stellar Valkyrie works. And we also knew that we wanted it to be a shooter and inherently because it's in the doom engine, it has to be a boomer shooter. And so I was like, well, let's just hire a voice actor who can really bring out that like personality in this character. Like I didn't want it to just be, we didn't want it to just be this character that's just like a a silent go-getter like in Doom. We Mm. wanted like, basically the whole selling point of the game is that you get so many bird puns that you fall out of your chair laughing and or hate it and give it a negative review. You only get two choices. You can't do both. And uh, so I was at a party at Jake's house. Gosh, bless you. Thank you. Can't wait to not edit that out. I'm done. Thank you very much. I'm going to really enjoy not editing that and then letting everybody laugh at how much you sneeze. Sorry. And it's fun. So you were at Jake's house for a party. So I was at a party at my friend Jake's house, who you have at least some familiarity with. Mm-hmm. And this guy who was new at our, our day job shows up to the party and I'm like, Hey man, what's it? What are you all about? And we're, we're pretty t- drunk. Not going to lie. We had a little, had a little bit of red wine that night. When are you not? And he, thank you. He tells me, I, uh, I want to be an actor. I'm not really, you know, like this is just my job. I, I want to be an actor. And I was like, okay, so let's hear some acting. And he auditioned for that original project that I was talking about. And we gave, we were like, yeah, it sounds good. Like you can do that kind of thing that we want. But then when we like, let go of production on that game, we had to like turn around and be like, okay, uh, we'll figure out this new thing. But when Falco came up, I was like, Chris Guerrero is perfect for Falco. He's exactly the right kind of, actor we need for that he's like zany and charismatic and just knows how to deliver like a i don't know chris is a dick and the falco is a dick and chris just is a he sounds like a perfect just full of himself jackass i can't wait to hear it 
perfect. You've, you you saw the trailer? <laughs> like, do you think I remember? I don't know. I I do remember the trailer. Yeah. He's like uh, he's got. I wrote. I literally sat down and wrote like hundreds of just bird puns for him to read. I was like, and it's just stupid shit. Not necessarily puns, but just like bird jokes, like one-liners that involve birds. And it's just like a, you know, I used to date an owl, but, and I can't do it like Chris does, but I used to date an owl. Didn't work out because she always stayed out all night. Like stupid shit like that. It's really yeah. dumb. I bet she but was a he, he can, yeah, he can take a line like that, like some stupid shit that I wrote like that and make it sound funny. And it's just all in the delivery kind of thing. So Stellar Valkyrie was born and I'm really happy that we got to show that off at Realms Deep. That was a huge moment. That was the first, that was the first one. And then the other thing, which has been hinted at on the podcast a little bit, I've definitely mentioned it here and there, but I just don't think people always like catch on or pay attention to every single episode, but like Call of Seragnar is officially an in the keep game. And that involves me being the production manager for Damian and Tony and Ben. I don't know why. <laughs> like literally like maybe two or three weeks after I did the first podcast with them is when Damian reached out and he, it, we were just like conversing back and forth. And I kept asking him questions like, are you doing this? Do you doing that? Like, do you have a marketing plan? Do you have this and that or whatever? Like just normal shit that I think about for every single developer that I. If you want to know it so much, why don't you just fucking do it yourself? Exactly. That's exactly how it came. Like, he's literally said like, do you want to be the project manager for this game? And I was like, I mean, I have, I actually remind me to show it to you if I haven't already after the, after we're done recording, but I literally sent him a PowerPoint. I presented him a PowerPoint on why he shouldn't hire a project manager and specifically why he should not hire me. Oh my God. And then he did it anyway, so it, it all worked out. But like the the ultimate deal wasn't really like you hired me. It was like let's bring you into the end the keep brand and like use use e- let's use each other touching mm-hmm. tips to mm-hmm. broaden both of our horizons. So I remember seeing Close Ragnar before Stellar Valkyrie, though. So I'm surprised to hear that one came before the other. Close Ragnar has been been publicly known to everyone that it is a project long yeah. before stellar Valkyrie. no uh, one that no one that i didn't explicitly tell about stellar valkyrie knew that it existed before realm steep so Ragnar has been being worked on for a long time but that the, makes more sense the fact that it is an in the keep game was made known at realm steep this past mm. year so that was like a whole thing and Red Eyes Green Dragon made really amazing trailers for them both, which was the best thing. Um, specifically, Cthulhu Man, who I think we'll be seeing more of. Uh, him and him and Falco seem to be not getting along on Twitter right now, so hopefully they'll continue to do that. Is there Twitter beef? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if in the near enough future, Cthulhu Man and uh, Falco end up duking it out in public. Nice. They're they're already you know they didn't have a good start with the trailer and <laughs> it's just not going well. Lovely. <laughs> so I I just wanted to like take a moment here to address all that stuff with the audience. Like yes, we are making games. We, that's probably not going to be all the games we ever make. And I'm hoping to 
use the position that uh, we're all in here to elevate the status of those games in any way that I can possibly do so. And uh, hopefully everyone listening goes on to Steam and <laughs> wishlists both Stellar Valkyrie and Call of Seregnar right now and uh, buys them when they come out and all that stuff. And uh, we'll have probably demos for both of them in the in the future, soon TM. Can't wait to play them, honestly. They look really good, both of them. I don't think that you will like Stellar Valkyrie. I think that you will... I think you'll like it in, on principle of it being funny, but I, you hate first-person shooters. Yeah, I do. So it'll just give you motion sickness and you'll be like... It's okay. I'll, I'll love it because it's, it's you guys making it. You know? Yeah. Sure. Right. (laughs) Rude. (laughs) So that with all that said, uh, there's some upcoming things going on, like some, some housekeeping to be done within the keep podcast in that, uh, I have a lot of life transitions happening over the next several months. Uh, one of them already just happened, which is basically that I'm shifting careers. So, Many of the people who are dedicated listeners know that for the past several years, I've been working as a meteorologist, weather forecaster, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I'm done now. I have successfully transitioned out of that career field and I am very stoked about it. I am not going to say what my new job is until it uh, is totally really real, but it is pretty real now. And uh, so just to give some insight i don't intend for there to be any lapses in the show i intend for like it to still come out every week leading up to you know through the holidays essentially that's what i'm looking at timeline wise i don't want there to be any lapses i will try my best to make sure that there's an episode every week but if there isn't it is because basically my timeline right now is like uh sometime in mid-december I have to go home and visit my family back in Alabama. And then sometime in early part of new year, like late January, early February, I'm going to be literally moving out of the country and then getting settled. And so if there is a lapse, that'll be why. (laughs) But that's pretty much the end of that conversation. We're looking forward to see where this journey takes you. Definitely. Yeah, I'll be a lot more free to speak on it once I uh, have some paperwork in my hands. But uh, the next part of the show, which is why you're here, Alex, sorry for all the long-winded bullshit in front, is that uh, we have a lot of games to not necessarily review, but do commentary on and uh, discuss. So I uh, wanted to kind of bring up some of the things that we've been or I have been really because you don't play games, right? You just play TF2 with your cousin. Oh, Jesus Christ, the audio sound. Oh, no. Um, Let it be known. Fucking public disclaimer. I hate Team Fortress 2. I'm just very nice to my cousin who loves it. Hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I don't play any games. Fuck video games. What the fuck? What was the game that you played the other day that was like all cutesy and... Uh, oh, I played Feel the Snow, which oh, so is... Oh, you do play it. She, she, see? Fuck off. Now, if uh, if you guys want something that's like, um, kind of like Don't Starve, kind of like Minecraft, and it's um, very cute, definitely go check out Feel the Snow. 
I'm Steve. You've, you've presented yourself to the absolute correct audience for people yeah. who are absolutely into really cute. Yeah, I mean, fucking, you can have ludicrous gibs all day, but at the end of the day, you'll need something cute to wash it down with. Okay, <laughs> we'll keep that one in mind. Mm-hmm. So the first one that uh, we're going to bring up is one that you have an active, if not interest in, at least a <laughs> financial investment in, <laughs> is Cultic. Uh, the Cultic demo came out after Realms Deep and actually at during it was like the very first thing we showed off, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, we opened the show with Culty, I believe. Yeah, it was like, well, we opened the show with Uncle Tim and then right. it transitioned into Cultic, yeah. But I I immediately as soon as I got home uh, to America played the Cultic demo, obviously. Um Have you had Jason on the podcast? What was the first interview of Realms Deep? Jason on the podcast. Right. <laughs> Jason is a fucking fantastic guy speaking of my cousin jason is a huge phasmophobia fan and sometimes he plays phasmophobia with me and my cousin and my cousin's like level 40 and i'm level 8 and then jason he's like level 257 it's crazy and he's just such a fucking good guy i love jason so anyone listening cultic is a spiritual successor to the original blood essentially it is like everything but the voice act. Like there's no voice acting in Cultic, at least currently. Everything else about this game is essentially blood. And it is a really, really good uh, iteration of what is clearly inspired by that. I I remember months ago, well before Elm's Deep, I was talking to Fred and I was like, you know, going on like, oh, what's the coolest boomer shooter out there right now? And I was like, Turbo Overkill. Turbo Overkill is the best. You should get Turbo. And that ended up being published. They've announced now that Turbo Overkill is going to Apogee, which is great. I'm glad Apogee found a good title, and I'm glad that that game found a, what I assume will be a good publisher. But Fred was just like, <laughs> you don't know about Cultic. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, I mean, I knew I knew that Cultic existed. I'd seen Jason on Twitter and stuff, but like, it was very like kind of this guy making an indie game. I didn't understand that he was already in talks with publishers. Like, it just didn't seem like a project. Still, honestly, doesn't seem like a project that a a major publisher would pick up. But knowing Fred, it's just like I don't even think Jason was in talk with publishers. I think this was a classic Fred move of Fred following him on Twitter for a while and then just cold messaging him, being like, we want to publish you. And Jason being like, what the shit? (laughs) Hey, buddy, do you want a publisher for that game that doesn't exist yet? Your game looks fantastic. It's like literally like it's like it's not even a game yet. It's just like he's just like posting like assets and like little short video clips and shit and just like... (laughs) And Fred doesn't even like send him an email. Fred will literally just Twitter DM him. Yeah. Well, that's how you, I mean, that's really how you contact people because people don't, especially in developers, they don't really know always how to market themselves. Mm. So like the best they have is like their social media and like they leave their DMs open. I I know, I know this probably more than any human being alive, (laughs) (laughs) to be honest with you. That's, that's how it goes. And I mean, as a major publisher, I think Fred's inherently doing the right thing. And I know that, like, in his heart, like, he wants to be involved in that, like, low-level, like, entry-level 
group of people is like he he wants to make dreams come true. He's like, and that's what he did. It's like because if you talk to Jason, he's like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what Jason sounds like. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. And uh, it was it's just so cool. But anyway, to to kind of review the demo really quick. Uh, initially, I know that some people had issues with the difficulty and there were a few like kind of inherent like little uh, okay like so that it was already it already had a scroll wheel right which is perfect for console players but the game isn't available to console players right now so it's just like as a keyboard player which is everyone we're like why the fuck can't i just like push one two three four or use my scroll wheel to change the weapon why do i need the weapon wheel to pop up in in the ui which is fine like it's cool that it does but like just uh give me the ability to use the damn scroll wheel to change my weapon like this it's so obvious to anybody who plays pc games but i think that it's been fixed since then and that was all cool but like everything else about it totally fucking awesome i really really loved it is usually the first thing that i like really if gameplay is good, like the first just nitpicky little bitch thing that I complain about is like weapon sounds and weapon mm-hmm. feel. Yeah, I noticed that earlier when you were playing some of the other games. Yeah, but Jason is obviously a gun nut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and very much. And I think that translates really well to how how the game feels and all that. So if you're if you're looking for a game that is it features guns and is made by somebody who really inherently understands guns, you should play Gloomwood. But you should also play Cultic. <laughs> Have you ever fired a gun? Say what? Have you ever fired a gun? I'm from Alabama. I risked my case. Okay. I yeah. I knew how to I I shit you not, I literally knew how to shoot a gun before I could tie my shoes. Seriously? Yes. Jesus. Can you can you teach me? I've always wanted to try firing a gun. You'll either have to come here or You'll have to figure out how to get a gun in Denmark. Oh, that's basically impossible. I'll just come to America and fire a gun and then go back home again. You can come to America and we'll make your dreams come true. Thank you. Um, (laughs) But where I grew up, it is like essential to know how to use a firearm. It's like a very, it was more important to my father that I understood how to shoot a shotgun than to tie my own shoes. Or swim. You could get... You can get vel yeah. Well, he made sure I knew how to swim. Um, you can get Velcro shoes. You can't get a Velcro gun, really. Like, it's not a thing. Yeah. What what's like the Velcro equivalent of a gun? Like a like a Nerf gun? A BB gun? No, because BB guns are how you train for a real gun. See, I knew how ah, to shoot well. a BB gun well before I knew how to shoot a real shotgun. Okay, Safe well then then a uh, Nerf gun, yeah, or or a uh, a water gun. Sure, a water gun. A super soaker? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the, the next game on my list here is Beyond Mankind, which we also mm. showed off at Realms Deep, and that was... Um, I played the whole thing, uh, at least what was given to me in, in early access before it was officially released. And I actually, like, I was under the... I was like, this is a pretty damn good game. I really like the whole concept of it and everything, but I, like, before when I was doing my research before this podcast, I went on Steam and I noticed that it had mostly negative reviews, and I was wondering why. And 
I came to a conclusion, which I think is pretty fair. Um, aside from it being a really cool concept and actually like being super, super impressive for the development team working on it to have accomplished it all, it has some pretty inherent game breaking bugs that are just like kind of unforgivable. So they actually, well, I'll I'll start with like just kind of my, my story behind it before I move on. Go on. They're, they're a small development team from Spain. They are called Buentvalda. I think is how it's pronounced Buentvalda, which is a German name. If I'm not totally mistaken here, but anyway, they're, they're Spanish. And they, as far as I understand, are pretty small. They reached out to In The Keeps Twitter directly saying like, hey, we really like your podcast and we'd like you to review our game. So I played it. And instead of reviewing the game or like or whatever, I was just like, let's just get you guys involved in Realms Deep because it was like right around the corner. I'm just like, send us a trailer and we'll make it happen. And it actually happened to like kind of line up with their release date and everything. But the game breaking bugs that I experienced, and I'm just going to speak from my experience aside from what I read in people's reviews were save issues. So like, Oh, you, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it, yeah. it's just like, you know, you, you have like, you, you can make a lot of, lot of progress and then. Oh, that's the, that's the thing that will make you put down a game and never pick it up again. Exactly. Yeah. I, I feel exact. That's one of my number one pet peeves is like if I make a lot of progress and then I end up like, you know, three or four hours into a game and then I lose my save. I actually quit the original Project Warlock for the same reason. I was just like, I can't. Yeah, no, no, no. Because I was like four out of five worlds into the game when it it did that. And it's pretty unforgivable. It's it's pretty bad. But the game itself, and I saw a lot of just, I think people get a negative point of view based on a particular negative experience and then they just like look for every other reason to shit on a game or any art really yeah, at that yeah. point so there was a fuck ton of people just like pointing out every little tiny flaw in it that i don't think would have gotten a negative review had it not been for the inherent problem of like i played for four hours and my save failed um and also the other i don't think this is fair at all Cause it's a $20 game and it's a super high fidelity game for a small studio to make for that price. But people were like, I only got like six hours of gameplay out of this. I'm like, fuck dude. Six, six hours of gameplay hour- is great for $20. Like- I think so. But you can also pay $20 and play like 385 million hours of Skyrim or, you know, I get uh, where they're coming yeah, from. Yeah. I Yes. Yes and no, but that's where you also gotta like look at the craft and you gotta take into consideration that they are a small studio. Yeah. Whereas Bethesda are a giant fucking studio, and if they get your twenty dollars or not, like they don't fucking give a shit. But a small studio, this could make a break it for them. Yeah, and honestly, like overall, like I, I literally remember the night before I was gonna get on the plane to come to Denmark, I was playing i was playing this game and i couldn't sleep because i was so into it like not i'm not gonna say that was the only reason i couldn't sleep because obviously i'm super nervous i'm about to get on an international flight i'm gonna go do like the biggest thing i've ever done in my life all that you have have never been outside the country before 
No, but I had had a I had gone without a full night's sleep um, because I was playing this game, <laughs> <laughs> and I really liked it. I kept running into that save issue very early on. Luckily, it was only like maybe twenty or thirty minutes into the game that I was having that problem. And once I learned how it worked, I was able to move through it really quickly. But I was pretty invested in the story. Like it, it really starts off very, very cool. Like it's this, uh, you're the reason why it's called beyond mankind is because you're essentially like a genetically engineered person in the, the beginning, like the, it's an RPG. So selecting your character mm. is like essentially designing your own genetics. It's like, are you, um, a homo sapien or are you a, a neanderthal it, like are you you know like where, where are you from and that can mm. also be i forget what the word for it is but there's a separate word that they use for people who are like um east asian slash native american mm, yeah right? so but these have like different traits like neanderthal i don't really know the science of this but like neanderthals have bigger brains and like uh homo sapiens are better at athletics or you know some Maybe it's uh, maybe it's fucking racist. I'm not really sure. I didn't think about it that way, <laughs> but now that I'm saying it out loud, maybe. Um, but it was just really cool. It was a very interesting and like totally unique concept that I'd never seen before. And then the rest of the game is sort of like Stalker, where you're like, you know, you're playing in this like sort of RPG first person shooter kind of gameplay, and you know, you're like walking around on this post-apocalyptic Earth that has been like basically humanity like abandoned earth to this other like thing at some point and they've come back to reconquer earth and you're like you're the guy who designed you is like you call him dad and you have to like have this like long dialogue with him where you decide that you're gonna hold up the family name and support him or you're gonna like abandon his legacy and support the government and it's just such a good idea and it was so i mean we for we forget that like a uh, stalker was like the shittiest game ever and still <laughs> is one of the shittiest games ever like as far as it not being janky right like you have the exact everything that is a complaint about this game currently is still to this day a complaint about stalker unless you mod it but it sounds like a really big game or an intricate game because I feel like a lot of the games that we've seen, for example, at Realms Deep, they are small games, not just because they're indie games produced by a small team, but also that the scope of them are small. Right. But this one, it seems like really involved. It Like yeah. the fact that you go in and you do all that and there's this big overarching story. You don't see that a lot. It's and a small team who got in over their head. They got too big for their britches. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they, they took on more. They bit off more than they could chew. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's the case with uh, with Beyond Mankind. Unfortunately, it definitely sounds interesting. I think it's I think it's worth the asking price to to give a shot under under the guise of if they do continue to maintain it and they like update it, fix the bugs and everything. It's like it's going to be a fucking awesome game. It'll you know if maybe it's only six hours, but shit, twenty dollars for a six hour kick ass experience that you could do over and over again with because it's an rpg like you can do it different ways is it finished I think, I think it's worthwhile i i believe it to be finished they're asking 20 bucks for it and it doesn't say yeah. early access anymore yeah. i'll have to touch base with them i i invited them onto the podcast um i haven't heard back because the only person that i really talked to that i'm aware of 
was their social media manager, or at least mm -hmm. whoever's acting as their social media manager. And I wanted to talk to the developers, but I'm not sure what they're working with. So hopefully they hear this and they get back to me and we'll go from there. Uh, so anyway, uh, cultic a plus beyond mankind yet to be seen. <laughs> um, and the next game on our list is biota, which you, that's how you pronounce it. Biota. Yeah. Biota. B or, or B I O T A. Um, as it's biota. <laughs> no, it's biota. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is a completely departure from what we were just talking about. This is like a almost, NES style um, platformer shooter, mm. like a stick shooter almost. But it's like, um, honestly, I would, I'd never do this, but I would highly recommend anybody who does try out Biota play it with a controller. I played it with a keyboard, and you should. I would have been way better off playing it with like an NES controller because it's just, it's just directional pads, you know, up, down, A, B. That's all you really need. You might, you might need. One, two, three, four, five, six, maybe seven buttons total. Way better with a controller. Um, you can get those for cheap. The NES USB controllers, you can get them super cheap. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I mean, there's so many cool. Yeah, there's so many like homebrew games coming out nowadays that it's like it's just worth investing in so yeah. that you can like have that experience. But it's uh, it was. I think this was one of Zach's picks, which was surprising to me because it's not a boomer shooter, like. Zach not picking a boomer shooter. The, Zach picked two non-boomer shooters this year. Which is was, he? Is he sick? Does he have mono? Should we no. check on him? But it is a. It it was a really cool little game experience because it's like you you're essentially kind of just do, you have like a four person team I think and you get to like switch between characters sort of like Mario World kind of thing, mm. and they all have their own different little you know cute abilities and crap and aside from the really cool platforming and the like, sound effects are amazing the visuals are really good i mean for like that super old school style and everything but the coolest thing about it was that you could change the color palette and i did that right at the end like where it's just like it starts off in that kind of grayscale, but once i fucked around with the color palette a little bit it was like really beautiful looking and i don't do know you, I, just, I enjoyed it do you do that a lot because you're colorblind so like yeah. there are some games that are optimized where you can like change the settings to like a colorblind mode or whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you ever do yeah. that? Or yeah. do you just yeah, okay. Yeah, I look for that. If they don't have it, they don't have it and that's cool. But like in ninety percent of the time it doesn't matter, but if it does matter, especially in like uh, honestly in like old school games it doesn't matter as much because everything's like kind of monocolor anyway to some extent. But like uh, AAA games, like uh, what was the best example I have is like uh, Battlefield One. Mm -hmm. I played that game in colorblind mode all the way through because it's like the only way I could see the enemies when you're looking through like these really high fidelity. Like I'm looking through a telescope and there's some leaves over there and there's mm -hmm. a little tiny head a mile away and I'm gonna pop them <laughs> in the head. Um, it's something I'm always conscious of because I I do have red red green color blindness. Yeah, a lot of people do. I mean. Like ten percent of men do. Yeah, it's more common in, in men than it is in, in girls. Women. Last I checked, it's like a ten percent in anatomical, born at, uh, assigned male gender at birth, men, mm -hmm. versus the opposite. Yeah, I think I worded that correctly. <laughs> Good job, I'm proud of you. But, um, yeah, 
it's like two percent for for uh, the the female folks, and yeah, it's not that big a deal. You know, I I can I I stop at every stoplight. I, I go and <laughs> that's good and, to know. Jesus Christ! <laughs> it actually, it really fucked me up when I, I went to New Orleans for the first time because in New Orleans they don't have to, like up and down stoplights. Oh, they had it for the side. side. Oh yeah. no. Yeah, but it's, it turns out it's just left or right, so it's the same thing. It's okay. just left or right. It's not a big deal. Mm. I didn't hit anyone. No one died. Yes. But yeah, Biota, if you're into like homebrew, NES-style platformers, shooters, whatever, like that, I definitely recommend going and checking out that demo right fucking now because it's really good. Um, next one was Deluvian Ultra. You watched me play a little bit of that. Yeah, a little bit. I actually played a very I don't remember who gave it to me. It was probably not even the developer. But it was like at least a year ago. It feels like it was that long ago at least. I played a super early version of Deluvian Ultra. And at the time I was like this is really cool, but I just like I don't see this being anything more than like a little indie project that no one ever really cares about. That's that was my initial impression. Need more that, time in the oven. Yeah, but like uh when I played the the new demo that just came out, like it, the visuals are a lot more like polished and everything, at least from what I could tell from what I remember. And it, it's just, it's just cool. Like it's a cool concept in general. You're essentially like kind of in this, it's a first person shooter, but you're in like this kind of Lovecraftian, uh, at least the opening part of it feels like a, some kind of temple or something. There's no real realistic way to explain this. And, you, like there's no doors it's just all like these weird web goop goopy things Ugh. cut through it with a sword or whatever and then you just get like these robots that start attacking you i don't i don't know how to explain this i have to like have somebody come explain like, you're somebody, really selling the, it well are you on the are you on the steam page right now like no but i can go on it for like let's see how would we describe how did they describe the deluvian ultra let's see here deluvian ultra on steam Battle through a living ship made out of flesh and stone in this pulse-pounding retro first-person shooter from Crest Helm Studio. So Crest Helm Studios didn't explain it any better than I could. <laughs> the Lurian Ultra replaces Atia, an undead king that is awakened okay. in deep space, aboard his tomb, shipped by an invasion, shipped by an invasion of unknown. That does not make any sense. Shipped by an invasion of unknown enemies. I think they so, need to say ship, so you're ship on attacked boat. by. I yeah, have you're no on a idea. I was boat on boat. On, well, it's a space boat. Is it a space boat? I mean, if you're awakened deep in space, in your tomb, which is a ship, then it's anyway, like... <laughs> the whole point I'm trying to make here is that the artwork to this game is incredible. It's like, The gameplay is really fun and all, but the artwork is just like gorgeous if you're into oh. like that... I'm looking at it right now. I can't. Think. Is this is this fucking pixel art? Yeah, it's it's pixel art, but it's Jesus it's like Christ. That. Yeah, it's really pretty. It's a very pretty game. Holy it's, shit! It's got it's totally got its own art style going on, and I, I really like it. <laughs> anyway, that's our review of Deluvian Ultra. It's a it's really pretty and confusing plot wise. Maybe so in space. <laughs> it might. It may or may not be on a boat or in space. Literally, the next paragraph it says spaceship. So 
Is it a spaceship or is it a ship? It space? says space. The spaceship is a living combination of flesh and stone. So, teeming a- creatures created to serve a purpose aboard the ship. Okay, so <laughs> it's diluvian. So it's not antediluvian. I don't, I don't even know, know what the, the word dis- means. So I don't know what the word diluvian means. I know, you can Google this if you want to. Antediluvian is um, people who lived prior to Noah's flood. Right? Diluvian. Another term for diluvial. Um, means flood. It's from Latin. And so, ultimately from laver, which means to wash. So flood ultra. Yeah. As opposed to antediluvian. Which would so be an- anti-flood ultra. Pre, not anti. Not not the A-N-T-I is different than A-N-T-E. Antediluvian oh, means prior right. to the flood. Right, 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 right. Yeah, see, English sucks, sucks big donkey balls. Yeah. Um, Okay, so should I, just, should I just continue the podcast in Danish? No. No, okay. No. <laughs> yeah, let's go back. Yeah, let's go um, All right. Chasing Static is the next game on our list. Chasing Static, I really liked. It's Aussie as fuck. It's very, very Australian. <laughs> it's about as Australian as it gets. The only thing that didn't happen was there were no kangaroos, which I... I have to anticipate based on how scary it was that at some point a kangaroo beats the shit out of you. Zombie kangaroos. It's a, it's a very, it's at least the demo so far. It is completely narrative, right? This is just a kind of, I I think I was telling you earlier, like I like games that are just a narrative and you have like these mundane tasks that are not like difficult or like stressful. Yeah. You just have to walk around and do them. This was the one with the hot waitress you kept trying to fuck from behind, wasn't it? I will neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> um, there was a waitress, and you, you basically you're like a you start off in a car, you stop off at a diner. There's a a young lady who is a waitress who's working alone at a diner, and she offers you coffee and in exchange for a ride home because you're you're looking for. I think it's like your you your dad you going to has your, died. You yeah, funeral. Your funeral. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil the whole story, but like essentially like, yeah. So you you have this little like very platonic relationship development. And then the power goes out and she asks you to go like change some fuses because she's works here all by herself and doesn't know how to change a fuse. Uh, I don't know. And then shit hits the fan, you know, and then it gets weird. But if you're looking for a game that, is like a, a narrative driven horror experience. It's more like a, an interactive movie than really anything else. I thought chasing static was fucking awesome. I highly recommend that one. That's a, it's a big thumbs up for mother Lou. It looked fun. I was, I was watching you play it and um, I was doing other things while I was watching you play all these games that we're talking about, but this one actually like really caught my attention. Because of the sexy Australian accent. Yeah. Amongst other things. Um, yeah, I can't even do an Australian accent. And if I do, I'll probably just sound like a Kiwi and to the Australians Wait, and the Australians. 
we'll see. Yeah, the Australians will say I sound like a Kiwi, and the Kiwis will say I sound like an Australian, or both of them will always be like, you just sound like an idiot, which is probably more <laughs> the case. So I won't even try it. Shout out to Dangerous Dave, who is my favorite Australian. I mean, New Zealander. Uh, hugs and kisses. Um, the first demo that I actually played today was Dread Delusion. And that is the one of the newest titles from DreadX. And it was actually... So one of the things that I mentioned to Ted many, many times when he was doing the collections, I'm like, yo... All you got to do with these collections is like take these games and like make them into a full-on game, right? <laughs> and I was kind of pissed at first because that's not what they did for the most part. They did that mm-hmm. with Spookware, which is also out. I have yet to play Spookware. I will. Um, shout out to Vince Steele who actually made the trailer for Spookware. But I did play Dread Delusion today, and it caught me off guard because it is actually exactly what I asked for. But instead of like taking what was a shatter from the DreadX collection, they took Lovely Hellplace, who is the developer of that. I think his real name is James like Rag or yeah, James Rag. I wrote it down in my notes here. It says he, James Rag. Yeah. Rag. Yeah. Is, is it Rag or Vrag? W R A double G. Double G. Is that a letter? Is G-G. that a Danish letter? No. Um, anyway, so lovely hell place, whatever name they go by. James. This, so Dread Delusion is a lot like what Shatter seemed like it was going to be, but it's a little bit more like kind of mystical. I guess that game was also mystical, like medieval-ish. It's an RPG. It's a full-on like RPG with stats and everything. Um, with just exactly, if you haven't, like look up lovely hell place, look up dread delusion. You'll just be like, Oh, that's the art style. It's a super like gritty, very, very retro pixel art style. And honestly kind of like ugly, but like, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. It's just like charming to me. Is it like stylistically ugly? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, what was that? What was that first person shooter? Cruelty squad. It's Mm, not, it's not as ugly as cruelty squad. Cruelty squad is hideous. Cruelty Squad looks like a migraine on a screen, but it's not that it's not that ugly. It's just like a stylistic choice, I guess. But yeah, there's lots of mushrooms and like you know. But it's it's an RPG straight up. It's just you know you open up into a world. It gives you a tutorial. You make your stats. You get missions from different people, and you can kind of choose to explore the world in the, in the route that you want with some linearity that's, like, progressing the story, but, you know, there are lots of side missions and shit. Um, I hate the combat in that game. I'm going to be totally honest. It sucks. It's really, really bad. Why? You don't have to engage in combat, right? Like, so you, you can use the sneak method or whatever, but and you can use different methods to avoid the combat. But it's like a monster comes at you, they swing a sword, and it's just like, and you run up and you're like right in their vicinity and you swing a sword and it doesn't hit them and I don't know why. Like mm. I just can't figure it out. Like, I don't it's know if probably just, something wrong with the hitboxes or something. It's either a hitbox problem or it's a, there's an underlying like dice mechanic that I just don't understand what's mm. going on. Because it, it is essentially like, it's not like a turn-based thing. It's like you run up and you swing at them. Yeah, so, it's real time. I, I absolutely hated the combat, but otherwise I thought it was pretty cool and I hope that they flesh it out and do a pretty good job because I love Dread XP and I love everyone that works there. 
So hopefully they figure it out. Lovely Hell Places, like Shatter in the Dread X collection was like a standout game for me. I was like, this is one of the coolest games in the collections of, of all the collections. It's like, I really wanted them to like continue making Shatter, um, which I guess just evolved into Dread Delusion, as far as I can tell. So Dread Delusion demo, give it a shot. Mm. One more thing before we like move on from Dread Delusion that I wanted to point out. Actually, a couple of things because I'm an, an asshole, and while I was being, I thought about like a bunch of stuff. So, in the game, you are like essentially this prisoner who's that's that's the ultimate RPG trope, right? Is like the escaped prisoner or the, the prisoner who's let out of prison to like go accomplish some goal, right? Like yeah, Skyrim does this. Um, Arx Fatalis does this, but you know, you get a deal to get out of prison or whatever. And then you go and you like, <laughs> you just had to seek down this lady or this evil enemy. I think her name's like, I don't know. I don't remember like Beulah. We're going to call her Beulah for now. <laughs> uh, like Beulah McGillicuddy mm-hmm. and uh, something like that. But you're essentially tasked to go, catch this lady who's part of what is like a basically she's I don't even want to call it a religious cult because it seems like in this world like worshipping anything is outlawed and your cat's screaming at us it's not it's not showing up on the um so don't worry about it um you can hear it nobody else can hello hello buddy Um, there's always always time for our co-host Loki. I just I just need to have him up here because then he'll actually be quiet. Hello, hello. I'm just telling you, you got to beat him. I'm not gonna beat my cat ever. He's a baby. He's only six um, months old today, actually. Congratulations. Yes, yes. Go on. His his half birthday. Yeah. Um. What was I even saying? Um. Go on a quest. Yes. Yeah, so, thank you. That's the most broad term you can use to describe any RPG. That's very, very helpful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> so you're asked to go hunt down this lady and you have a very loose idea of who the enemies are, right? And mm-hmm. They're called the, I want to say the Dark Star Cult or something like that. Oh, now I know what I was saying. They're not really a cult. In this world, you are tasked to go after this lady because she is part of a group who is not really a cult because it appears that anyone who worships any gods at all is outlawed, right? Mm-hmm. So, and and your your government in the game is that of like a, essentially an anti-religious government like they're i think they're literally called like the apost apostle whatever the fuck something to do with it being an apostate and that's the name of the government in the game it's it's really weird and i don't know where this like creatively comes from or if that has any reflection on like the actual uh world we live in but i found it very interesting and conversely in stellar valkyrie people will learn over time but 
you are going after a cult, and the name of the occult is not the Dark Star, but it's called the Black Star. And this is—I was not aware of this. You're not. It's got nothing to do with the game. It's just that you're going after David Bowie's last album. That's exactly what. That's exactly why I named it that, Alex. Really? (laughs) I literally named the cult in Stellar Valkyrie after David Bowie's last album. One hundred percent consciously made that decision. Yes. And I'm so happy that you caught on to it. But yes, they are the Black Star Cult. Cannot tell if you're being sarcastic or not. I'm not being sarcastic. That's really? 100% true. Yes, oh. 100%. Yeah, totally. Uh, I consciously made that decision. Cool. I, as, a, as a shout out to Rest in Peace, the greatest of all time, David Bowie. Yeah. Okay, I think that's actually it on Dread Delusion now. It only took us like, I don't know, 15 minutes and a pee break to figure that out. Dread Delusion, give it a try. The Westport Independent is the next game on our list. And I don't, were you around for when I played Westport? Remind me again. It's the game with the, uh, that you're like a newspaper editor. I'm pretty sure you were around for this. You're a newspaper editor for a, con- like a, well, I should say a fascist government. It was the one with the desk. Yeah, you're with the green lamp on it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was doing I was doing research for MK Schmidt's new game Aberration Analyst. And uh, the demo for Aberration Analyst is out right now for anyone who wants to go on Steam and check out Aberration Analyst. It's right there for you to check out. It's a game. Uh, well, we'll do Aberration Analyst first and then we'll go to Westport. <laughs> Aberration Analyst is a game where you are a like a part of a secret, maybe government organization who's tasked to read tabloids, decide whether or not that tabloid is indicative of a real monster or not. And then you have to investigate. You can choose to investigate like the police and coroner reports to decide like, okay, this seems even more likely that it's a monster. And if so, then you wage, you know, cause you have a budget, you like wager on whether or not like you should send a team in to collect said monster. And, and then as you do that, you target where the aberration that lets those monsters into the world is. And then once you get a few of those, then you progress. Uh, that's the gist of that game. It's, from what I've seen amazing. so far, I've been following along a little bit. From what I've seen so far, it's kind of a mix of Papers, Please, and X-Files. Is that totally wrong? I think that's a really good analogy. Okay, cool. It's like a, it's exactly like that, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I would say it's uh, if if it's the X-Files, it's more like your Agent Skinner. Like oh, I, I love Special Agent Skinner. He's my favorite. He's... Probably one of my... He's easily one of my favorite characters in you the x anytime. You like, you're into like old bald dudes? I'm into he, Agent Skinner. Okay. So specifically, old bald dudes. No, specifically him. Um, we'll, we'll let him know. And cool. <laughs> see how he responds. I mean, I, you know, I have a special place in my heart for Agent Scully. On oh, her yeah. professionalism. Not, and not just in your heart. Skepticism and uh, medical prowess only. Mm-hmm. But sure. anyway, so you're not you're not the agents in the field. You send the agents to the field based on the research that you've done. So 
honestly, that's probably more like Mulder if Mulder didn't also go to the field because he's just yeah. a, a fucking cowboy. But anyway, that's we the gist of Aberration Analyst. Well, we we can watch X Files anytime you want. I'm wonderful. I'm like really in need of catching up at this point. Um, what was I saying? Anyway, Westport, we were doing research on like basically what would be a good UI for aberration analyst. And one of the games that came up was Westport independent. And you are a newspaper editor and a newly formed, um, fascist government. And the government is like always on you about like trying to control the media. Right. Like, so they want you to write your articles in a very specific within a very specific set of parameters, like always support the government, always denote the detractors from said government. And you're kind of like marketing yourself in like these different boroughs where some people are like, you know, working class and some people are high class and like they have different concerns and different interests, you know, like, so you want to put in your celebrity news and you want to put in your crime news, but you are encouraged always to favor the government in every mm-hmm. situation you can. And I, I have not gone back and played it again, but I suspect that you have options here. My run was to fully support the fascist government. Like I was a hundred percent on board. And, and, and so like you're the editor, some of your writers are not on board. Like they're oh. like, you know what I mean? Like they're like, I don't like this government at all. So you have to like kind of pick and choose like which articles you give them to kind of keep them on board or, you know, or get rid of them. But I was very successful in uh, making sure that everyone in my town was a patriot. Good job. Only one of my editors was uh, tragically (coughs) dealt with at the end of the story. It's too bad he couldn't recognize what was good for him. That game came out in like 2013. I actually thought it was like, this must be pretty new because I haven't heard of it. And it was published by Ghost Ship. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's funny. Which are like right down the street from you guys, right? Yeah, they're Danish. Well, right down the street. They're over in the capital. Uh, We're on the mainland. So, but where where in Denmark isn't right down the street? Yeah, I was just about to say that like Denmark's so small that, yeah. But so Ghost Ship also made one of my favorite games, which is I bet you can guess. Aberration Analyst. No, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> they also uh, Ghost Ship is uh, the publisher of. I, I want to make sure I get the studio's name right. Coffee Stain. Yes. Who, who made, are making uh, Deep Rock Valheim. Galactic? Oh, right. And they're also uh, in charge of Valheim. Yeah. So oh, this, I didn't know that they were the same. Oh. So as a Boston Young publisher, this is what interests me is like, you know, like now they're making these like really big hit games, you know, like huge hit games. But Westport Independent is like a super small, very, very aberration analyst like indie game that they just published a long time ago, which is, which is like, a, oh, no, I'm connecting the dots here. I see how see how the sausage is made. But yeah, I thought that was a really fun game. I think anybody 
I think it's free. I think it, literally that game is free on Steam. So like, just grab it. You get, it takes like a couple hours to beat. It's really fun. We played Deep Rock Galactic, but I didn't know it was your favorite game. It's one of my favorite multiplayer games to play with mm. other friends. You That's know, like, how the cookie like, crumbles. Right. It's so if I'm going to say like my favorite games, none of them are multiplayer really, except for Quake mm. and Doom. <laughs> At neither of which are inherently multiplayer, to be honest with you. Like they became multiplayer over time, but we could. That's a different podcast altogether. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it is Deep Rock Galactic is easily one of my favorite games to like sit down with a group of like three or four friends and just like kill some time for sure. Uh, but we're not here to talk about Deep Rock Galactic because I think I've talked about it on a former State of the Keep address before. Um, the next one on our list, Fira Pudi Samurai. And I know you know what this one is, even if you don't know the name, because it's the one with like the naked anime chicks. I actually knew it more for its name than for the naked anime chicks, but thank you for pointing them out. Because I remember when I put it in the list, basically it was like a, we had... You know, Zach and I had complete, total, fucking, like, unhindered freedom on what we put into Realms Deep this year, which was, like, yeah. kind of scary. Yeah. And and it was at that point where we're like, we have too many games. But I, uh, I'm i going to make a confession right now. I actually, when we were done, I added Vita Pudi Samurai to the list and just didn't tell anyone, and it made it in. Tyler... <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? Are you mad at me? I could never be mad at you. You could be if you really tried. Nah, I'm not in the mood for it. So I, I want to make sure I pronounce his name right. Zen Zenardi. Yeah, Zenardi. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which sounds Italian to me, but I believe he is from South America somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, his co-developer Liza or Lisa, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Anyway, Zanardi reached out to me after Realms Deep last year, and he was like, um, "Hey, you know, I th- God, it was so cute. I'm, I'm actually going to read it. I hope he's not mad at me, but I'm going to read exactly what he said because it was just like I can't believe anybody sees me this way, kind of thing." He's like, hello, Mr. Motherload. How are you? I would like to ask you something if that's okay. There's an FPS I'm working on. It would be it would be possible. So this is what tipped me off that he was not an English speaker. It would be possible to show it on Realms Deep question mark. And then he sent me the link to the game. And and my first impression was like, first of all, I mean, this is a super early iteration of the game, so it was really janky. But also like I couldn't tell if this was a genuine request or if this was just some guy pranking me with their fucking titty game. Because it was a titty <laughs> game. He's just like, I, I wonder if I can get this guy to pay attention to my weird, like, half-ass titty game. He called you Mr. Motherload, though, so you have to. I mean, I mean, I gave it... I, I'm pretty... Please, God, don't anyone hear this and take it too seriously. But I really feel strongly about, like, I if if someone asked me for feedback... I kind of go out of my way to try mm-hmm. to do so. That may change as I become more and more and more busy, but 
and he caught me at the right time in the right mood. So I played the titty game. You played <laughs> the titty uh, game with it was me and Donkey. We played we played the titty the titty game. <laughs> and at first, I was like, I, I there were some really good concepts there because it's okay. So to explain, Fita Pudi Samurai, it is a is it is for sure a boomer shooter, but you are constantly racing against time. You start in a level and then you have this wall of death behind you that's constantly chasing you and you're shooting your way through the enemies and you're collecting weapons on the way. Not quite in a roguelite sense, but you, you know, like you're just grabbing things on the way and you're trying to escape the level before the wall of death catches up to you or before you get killed by the enemies. And that concept was already there, but it was like the wall of death was really slow at first. And I was just like, dude, just speed it up. And and not only speed that up, but like speed up the speed it up so much that you have to absolutely speed up the player's movement speed. Cause it's, it was like so slow at first. And, and there were a few other, like just kind of normal janky shit that you run into in unity. Like his, his aim stuff was all off, which is not uncommon. It's like a totally known concept in first person shooters built in unity is like, you just have to initially, fix that um but you know i was just like ah, you know like this is really cool here's my feedback a lot like i gave him a lot of notes and i was just like we'll see where this comes up and i was just kind of like this isn't ready for realms deep at the time and then he sends me an updated iteration and it was just like night and day like whoa like he he like really internalized everything i said i don't know if it was just me i'm sure he reached out to a lot of other people and got a lot pretty similar or better feedback. Um, but anyway, fast forward to like Civi's Realms Deep Roundup. The first game he reviewed was Feed Up Pudi Samurai. And I, I was just like, wow. It kind of makes you proud, doesn't it? Because you feel like you had a hand in also helping out with that game a little bit. It doesn't make me feel proud. It actually makes me feel like a jackass because... <laughs> I think I have like, you know, everyone does. They think they have this idea of like, oh, I know what's good and, you know, and all that kind of thing. And I initially, I really just didn't believe in it at first. I was just like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, you, sometimes people send you titty games. Why and, has anybody ever sent me titty games? I mean, you can play Pudi Samurai if you want. It's, it's on, it's on Steam. Um, but it is all these amazing aspects about it. Like that it, the level, at least the first few levels are like very heavily, like clearly influenced by Duke Nukem. Mm. Where it's like you run through the cityscape and then you run through a movie theater and you know, like that, the whole spiel. But regardless of that, I felt like a jackass because clearly there was unrecognized talent that I did not initially recognize. I, and I wish I had just known from the get go, like this game is going to be really cool. So I hope everyone goes and checks it out now. And uh, maybe, maybe one of the things that you like about it will be one of the things that I said, like you should improve on maybe, but that's about it. But, you know, shout out to Zenardi and, and Liza or however your guys name are pronounced. I don't I'm not sure, but yeah, really, really cool game. And uh, clearly I'm not the only one that thinks that that it is a good game. Yeah, I mean, if it has Civi's seal of approval, then... I don't know. If you go back through Civi's resume on seals of approval... True. Civi's really good at uh, making entertaining videos. And also video games. (laughs) Yes. 
Um, okay, what was the next one? Arthurian, Arthurian Legends, Legends is okay. So this is another one that was like presented to me a long, long time ago. Uh, not by the developer. Vince Steele sent me a link to a random Discord that he was part of. Somehow. Oh, okay. I was just about to say, that's always like, hmm, when people randomly send you links to Discords. It's like, ah. So, it was for this game, Arthurian Legends. And you you know this a lot, and I think Vince also knows this, like how obsessed I am with King Arthur. It's a little worrying sometimes. I'm a huge fan, huge fan of the guy, whether he existed or not. Uh, definitely, definitely a huge fan. Mm-hmm. But I played what was apparently a Discord community only demo that I probably was not intended to have. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I loved it. Like it's basically like a. It's almost it, it's. I'm not sure what engine it's built in. I think I think Unity. I suspect it's Unity. But it was like a very build engine influenced game, like mechanics wise, like you have the inventory system and all that kind of stuff. Like it all it all adds up there. But it's like brutal doom set in King Arthur's time where Arthur is leading a crusade against the Saxons. And the Saxons are your main enemies in this game. And you have like, you know, all kinds of different like melee and and crossbows and shit like that. And it's just brutal. And it's so fucking good. And I've multiple times messaged the developer, or at least who I think is the developer on the discord and never get a response. And I just thought like, you know, everybody I think in the community was just like, cause he never updated. Like I'm still in the discord. I think you never get an update from the guy. And and we don't it's just like, is this game even still around? Is it ever going to happen? Like, and I was so psyched for it. And then uh, about a about a month ago, maybe I'm not sure how long it's been. We found the Steam page, so they have launched the Steam page, which Very means nice. it's still in active development. And I recommend everyone right now, before it you know gets taken away or whatever, like go ahead and wishlist Arthurian Legends right now if you're into. <laughs> What I just described is an awesome game. If that sounds good to you, yeah, go on the Steam page right now, wishlist it so that they can't get rid of it. Like, hopefully, they'll put up a demo and then you get it before they take it down or whatever. Like, who knows? But <laughs> wow. This guy is so secretive, and I, I just really, really want to talk to them because, like, clearly we share an interest. We're, we must be birds of a feather. There's no way around it. That's it for Arthurian Legends. Fallen Aces. What did you think? What did you think? Remind me again. Was that the one with the with the detective, the noir thing? (laughs) They all fucking mix together, dude. Like I was looking with half an eye. It's the the mafia style new blood game. Yeah. I really fucking love that. I loved oh, that. Oh, oh my god. Oh, now you love it. Now that you know. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't pay attention to the title. Um, <laughs> fuck off. You know, you no, know that no. like so. Realm's Deep twenty twenty. Fallen Angels was going to be shown off, and then mm-hmm. like Dave 
fucked us and like bought the game before it and then changed it to Fallen Aces and that was like a whole thing. Dave Oshie, you're a fucking dead man. I just fuck you up. But um, it looked really fucking cool, man. Like I love the art style. The art style is so different. Like as much as I love all the pixel art and all the like whatever kind of 3D, not really 3D, whatever. It's so fucking refreshing to see something like this. It's almost like um, comic book kind of stuff. And it looks gorgeous as fuck. And the um, the voice acting is fucking on par. And it looked really, really great. And, and this is important, I get super motion sickness when I, um, when I play these games or when I watch other people play them. I did not get motion sick watching you play this one. It's, um... It's got a very, I want to say unique, but like different to kind of what we're used to inventory system and in that you you basically just pick up any three items as you go through the game and like save them to your inventory and then you can scroll through them and then you, you everything is disposable yeah. so far. So like you, you pick up a glass bottle, you're going to use it as a weapon. You just bash it on their head and actually it like evolves. It's like, it's yeah, yeah cool. it starts out with evolves. a solid glass bottle, then it breaks and you stab people with it and then it's gone. Yeah. That was really yeah. fucking cool. Also, when you picked up the trash cans or uh, oil barrels and you would throw mm. them at people, yeah. awesome. And and then the currently, I, actually, the, the enemy AI, I played it on normal mode, which is Dave Oshery approved, obviously, because he's Mr. Like, I play everything on normal because it's what most people play and that's how I play testings. So I took his advice. I do that. But the enemy AI are dumb as fuck. <laughs> dumb as rocks. 100%. Oh, but that's a, that's a general pet peeve I have with enemy AI. Like, mm-hmm. they have seen you shoot their friend. Their friend is lying dead next to them. But you are away. They can't see yeah. you anymore. Huh? Okay. I wonder where he went. Like, well, what's how, going ma- on? how many trash cans can I throw on a guy's head before his buddies start realizing something's happening? Like, so dumb. But it's still really entertaining, and it, honestly, it's like one of those games where like it's it's not really like if you just rush in and try to just fight the horde, you're gonna die. Yeah, yeah. I saw you get yeah. attacked by like three identical thugs, and the, you were having the strategy kind of a is bit the, trouble. Kind of sneak around them and pick them off one by one, or like you know get past them somehow, and that kind of thing. I especially loved your strategy of throwing a sack of floor flour on a running ventilator. Somehow hoping you would stop it, and it just went poof. And you were standing there like, uh, now what? Because <laughs> you had to get like a fucking key in behind. Oh, and it turns out all I had to do was just like punch the vent. Yeah, but you that sure you sure showed it with that sack of flour. Was it a sack of flour? It looked like a sack of flour. It might have been cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, Fallen Aces, New Blood, as always. Amazing. Congratulations, Dave. Congratulations to, I believe his name is Trey Powell. Is the Yeah, Trey Powell is the Fallen Aces dev. Yeah, and yeah. tremendous. Really, really good. Um, so the rest of the show here is going to be the Hyper Strange Hour, I guess. Oh, God. So I've, I have officially now, I've played every single Hyper Strange game except for Jupiter Hell, which I will do a completely separate podcast on, I think. Um, so we're not going to talk about Jupiter Hill. Can I just say, I love Hyper Strange's logo. I don't know <laughs> if it's supposed to be a tiger or a cat or a bear, 
but it looks like it hates his life and it's blue. I love it. Good job on choosing a logo. What I know is that Wojtek uh, swore a blood oath to Odin about being a badass game developer at some point. Like he wanted to be a writer for all of these games and that's what he's doing. So he uh, honored his oath. I'm very proud of him. Um, so we'll, we'll start off with one of the heavy hitters, which is postal brain damage. Um, <laughs> I, I could not be more intimately involved in a game without having played said game in my life. You're on the documentary that they're making, aren't you? I am in the postal. I, I expect uh, they could have cut all the footage to be honest with you. Like, I have no idea, but I was interviewed for the go postal doc and I will be having the go postal doc uh, directors and filmmakers on the show at some point, probably really soon. Um, Tad and uh, I believe Jason and they're, they're amazing. Really, really good guys. But they actually came here. They were sitting right here in this room with me. Oh, really? Um, but it's going to be, what's funny is it's going to be with the old in the keep logo everywhere because mm. I hadn't it got the new one. It doesn't matter. That was that was a long time ago, but yeah, uh, we did that first realms deep sketch with Dave. Uh, fuck, uh, Mike. Sorry, sorry, Dave. I didn't mean to insult you, Mike. Um, yeah, Mike, Mike J, and that was the thing. Love Mike J. Uh, Ever in my heart. Clearly, you're into old balding Jewish guys. <laughs> what we've learned so far in the show. Skinner Jewish? I forget. Is he? I don't know. Is Skinner? Because Skinner is like a. What kind of name is Skinner? Let's let's look up what like what the origin of the name. Sounds is. very Germanic. Yeah, that's what I think. I think it's one of those German names. Um, it is Anglican. Oh. All right. Well, never mind. You're just into old, old guys. Let's see if it says on his wiki what his religion is. No, I don't fucking give a shit, actually. Um, no, Mike J is fucking awesome. He showed me a video of his wedding, like, the first time we ever talked. He's see, like, hey, you want to see that? And then we started said, talking about... You said wedding? Yeah. As soon as you said W and knowing my J, I thought you were going to say his wiener. Well, we have talked about him being circumcised, but that's because we talked about being Jewish and all. So, like, yeah. That's great. I'm yeah. really happy that you guys have that relationship. Thank you. I haven't talked to him since, like, last Realms Deep, but I consider him a close friend. <laughs> anyway, that piece of shit aside, um, postal brain damage developed by hyper strange which is the first well second second postal game the other one we don't talk about to be developed by some weird uh fucking (laughs) eastern european janky studio uh this one's actually good it's really good i played the demo a long time ago and i wasn't allowed to talk about it i actually signed an nda to not talk about it oh shit boy with with voitech 
to to which I told Voitech, like, I'm going to honor this, but I just hope you know that I believe that NDAs are just paper and I don't believe you'll actually enforce this. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but no, I'm just fucking around. Uh, it was amazing. Really, 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 really good. Like, it's a, it's objectively like, aside from the postal brand, it's just like the, a solid, uh, like arena boomer shooter. Uh, very, I would say like serious Sam like yeah. in many ways where you just have like these crazy, crazy over the top weapons, but 90% of the time, like the hordes are coming at you so bad that you just like run, you're, you're constantly running backwards and like platforming and jumping around and all this kind of shit just, just to avoid them. Uh, but obviously with the, take, take the cool gameplay, but then add in the typical, like what we understand to be postal humor and I thought that was nice. I thought they did a really, really good job. And I'm just, I'm happy that I didn't uh, invest all this time into advertising a really shitty game. Mm. And there was a point in my interview with Voitech where I was bugging him about like, who's playing Postal Dude in this, right? Like, because. Right. Yeah. There was a lot of question about that we've been through many different voice actors in the history of Mr. Postal Man. Mr. Postman. Who did they eventually land on? You didn't even watch the show that you were a part of, clearly. Never. Have you ever? No. Ever? You didn't pay attention at all? What, at, at, at Realm Steep? So you remember, like, when I went away for a while? And, like, that's when the sketch with me and Mike played, and mm-hmm. I jumped in the shower. Yeah, yeah, that was good times. And you don't remember, like, the video that plays directly before I come back on screen? You don't remember that we did not have the sound on for that? So I couldn't hear anything? And also everybody were talking amongst themselves and it was like a whole thing. So no, I, I didn't. So the original voice actor of postal dude is a guy named Rick Hunter. Mm-hmm. Right. And he plays in postal one and two, essentially in postal three, which is the postal game. We never talk about, right. There was this guy. Out. It's not even that it sucks ass. It is, it is so bad that Mike tells people not to buy it on Steam and just gives them keys for free and, says don't, and then says don't play this. Damn, anyway, boy. the voice actor for that was a guy named Corey Cruz, right? I've heard that name before. Well, the reason why you heard that name before is because he's the guy in the video that plays right before I come back on screen. Ah, okay. And... The current voice actor for Postal Guy, Postal Dude, the dude, Postal dude. in in the brain damaged, not in brain damage in Postal Four. That's Which Johnson not, John, right? I always fucking forget that Postal Four and Postal Brain Damaged aren't the same game. I'm so glad so, that John Saint John is still doing these things. 
So I assumed when I interviewed Wojtek, I was like, so John St. John is going to be playing Postal Dude for your game, obviously, right? But then they revealed at Realms Deep 2021 that it is, in fact, Corey Cruz. And to be honest, having played the demo and having played Postal 4, I did not know the difference. I, like I, Now that I'm familiar with it, I can tell. But I was just like, oh, I guess that's John St. John just being a badass fork actor. It's actually Corey Cruz. Not Terry Cruz, Corey Cruz. Mm-hmm. Um, not Ted Cruz either. Not Ted Cruz. Yeah, so like they're like they're, they're trying to like honor the history of the entire series, which is really cool. And also, Corey Cruz is tremendous and should be used as much as possible. So, postal brain damage, five stars. Nice. Can't wait to play. Five it. five gold stars. Um, I think I've talked about Frozenheim before, but it's so good that I'm going to talk about it again. It is currently my favorite video game to play. Yeah, you've been like playing that incessantly lately. Yeah. Every time I'm talking to you and I'm like, what, hey, what are you doing? You're like, I'm playing a game. I know it's Frozenheim you're playing. I'm obsessed with Frozenheim. It is the best game ever made, probably. It, and it's still in early access. That's how much. That's how strongly I feel about it. I like Frozenheim, even though it is like not one hundred percent done and polished, and there's many issues with it. But it's sixteen ninety nine on Steam right now. It is a collaboration between Hyper Strange and the developer's name is Paranoid Interactive, who I intend to interview as soon as they allow me to. And, it's thirteen ninety nine, not sixteen ninety nine. Is that thirteen ninety nine in euros or something? Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm looking at it in euros. Yeah, I'm talking about the only currency that matters: good hard-earned mm-hmm. American green. Mm-hmm. Um, well, how much is that in Danish kroners? Uh, 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 something I don't know. Um, let me see here. Was he in? That's like a hundred and four Danish kroners. Oh, only a hundred and four. Yeah, totally. Not worthless Danish corners. Um, <clears throat> Frozenheim is a city builder RTS game. So you are in a Viking age. You start off with like just your your fucking Jarl's hut and like three or four dudes, and then you just go. You know, like you build a, a fisherman's hut so you can have food for your guys and then you get a woodcutter and then you just keep going into the point where you have like a fucking I don't know, like sacrificial altar or something. I'm just kidding. Uh, you build like windmills and you build like religious uh, settlement, everything. You just like have to hype up your team as much as possible so that you can eventually grow your army to the point where they can defend themselves and you build a fort and hopefully you do all that before the enemy team shows up and, and they they definitely show up and then they just absolutely wreck the shit out of you and burn your all's hut down and then you die and you do it again. So, so the idea is that you burn down their all's hut first. I hate RTS games. So Why? Let me finish. Why? So, because Why? Because they're boring and they're all the same. So explain to me why Frozenheim is different from all the other RTS games. 
Number one. Why, why should I care about this rather than number one. all the others? Number one. Number one, it takes place in your fucking homeland. Number two, it's uh, made by Hyper Strange and we like Voitech. Those are all of my <clears throat> reasons that are purely a sense of feeling and emotion and not a sense of obje- objectivity. Okay. Um, objectively speaking, though, it uh, works. <laughs> which is mm-hmm. more than you can say for most indie R- RTS games. It is, as far as I know, deve- developed by essentially a, a solo developer. Mm-hmm. So it's very impressive that it a, is developed that way and also works. And then if I really, if you really held a gun to my head, I would just say that it is, it is a renaissance right now of RTS games. So like a, uh, Starcraft. Stellaris. I don't want to. I don't want to give away too much because I know that there are other projects in development that are kind of like trying to jump on this bandwagon, but like they're not really. They're like they're not public yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Um, there are games that are attempting to do this. It it is a. It is not just a single player experience. It is a game that has a multiplayer intention. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, you can be doing this very much like what we do, like what we see the Koreans do with StarCraft and things like that, um, which you don't see in like Command and Conquer or, you know, that kind of stuff currently. Or uh, what's what's the other one that was like super huge back in the day? Age, Age of Empires. Empires, yeah. Yeah. And then I would go a step further and say it's not just the single player or the initial campaign or the multiplayer that are attractive. It's the, the customization. So you can actually like select your level and like set up your own campaign and you can have your own, uh, like you can set like how many different enemy factions you want to face and how you can even individually select the difficulty of each one. So it's not like every enemy faction is coming at you at hard mode. You can be like, I want these AIs to be easy, medium, hard. Yeah customizability is huge and you have like this essentially endless amount of fun you can have with, with this particular game. And I think that's the selling point, at least to me, because even after I beat the campaign, I was still able to enjoy it just as much by just like customizing it and like having as much fun as possible. And it's still in development. That's the thing is like, they're they're not even done yet. Mm -hmm. So the, the number of hours I can get out of this game is like, who fucking knows? I hope that that came across in the intended objective descriptive way. I would say so. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. It, it really yeah. means a lot to have your approval, Alex. I know. Uh, okay. So Frozenheim, 10 out of 10. I've been giving other games five out of five. So actually I'll give Frozenheim an 11 out of 10. It's, oh. it, it, I like it so much that I have bothered Wojtek basically every two weeks since I got a hold of it saying when more, when, <laughs> when more content to the point where he just gave me beta access and put me in like a special role in his discord. So I could play test it. like before, just to get you to shut up. Done. Yeah. Just like, just shut up. Leave me alone. Probably. Um, I love that game. It's amazing. Um, so continuing on with the hyper strange train, because hyper strange put out so much shit at realms. Deep, like, holy shit. Yeah, it was overwhelming so blood west i don't have as many positive things to say about blood west 
Um, I, I really like the voice acting. I really like Jake the Voice Bar doing the trailer. I currently cannot say that I love this game. I don't have anything against it. It just feels un- like it's, it feels so not polished that it's just like maybe they rushed the demo a bit to just get it out for Realms Deep slash I think PAX was like right after that. Yeah, PAX was right around the corner. Next Fest is also right here right now. So I wasn't so much watching you play this as I was listening to you play it. But I could have, like, and you also pointed this out earlier, that, like, I could have sworn you were playing Blood. Yeah, they're really hinging on the, I mean, it's called Blood West. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's it's that kind of game. It's a a first-person shooter, beat-em-up, like, uh, if there's anyone good at first-person slashers, is that a word? I guess. Hyper Strange, I mean, yeah, they, they get it. I've made it very clear in the past that I have a huge boner for Stephen Whitey. Um, why does it mean old balding man? You're right. Um, no, I'm I'm in love with him, but even I was getting too much in this one. Like these, like what twenty minutes you were playing it or whatever while I was mm-hmm. watching, listening, like a little bit too much for my. I played it on normal mode. And uh, it, it, I feel like I, I, I admittedly am a shitty video gamer in general, but like, aren't we all? There's no reason why normal mode should have been like. Basically, you get hit twice and you're dead. I felt like that was a bit much. And uh, there's just like other, there's other things. It's very incomplete. It's like there's so many areas where you just like walk up to it and it's like this will be complete in the full game. I'm like, well, that's great, but and I get it. It's an open world kind of thing, but like, why is it in the demo? Um, it felt very gated, and then just the the enemies were like ridiculous. And I, I'm sure that I'm missing something. I'm, like, because I know in the very early part of the tutorial, it's like sneak past the enemies. Don't try to engage the enemies. But uh, you know, my I want to, I want to hit them with my axe and smash their heads in, and it was just like death, 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 and I was like, okay, fuck this, I'm not doing it anymore. That's bad. Like I, I know it's like it's supposed to be difficult, and I respect that, but it's just like there's a point where it's too difficult. Also, I felt like the this is a really nitpicky thing, but the font did not match the setting at all. That's not that picky at all. It matters a lot more than you think. It felt like I was playing. Like, it's supposed to be this like Western, like maybe I don't know, uh, eldritch sort of game, and the font is just like this. It looks like a basic Windows font. I'm just like, yeah. I just didn't no, feel. I, it didn't feel immersive. Actually, that's something that I've I've learned since getting hired by uh, Nick Hydra, where mm-hmm. I I um. You know, I get briefed on the social posts and I am supposed to create them. I create them in Canva where it's really easy to like put in some pictures, put in some text, bam, 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 done, export. And I've really come to appreciate the importance of fonts because our different IPs are known, well, not known for, but they all use different fonts. And like, I will be told like, no, I can't, we cannot approve this post going out. Because this is not the font that we're using in Ghosted. This is the font we're using in For the Love of Gods. 
and people will like even if they don't like know it like um consciously they will pick up on something being wrong and it will throw them off mm-hmm. and that's like really important that's all i have to say about that so blood blood west i i'm very wait and see on i'll say that that's my review of blood blood west at this point mm. um skullstone we were both really impressed with the art yes yeah the artwork is gorgeous um i feel like but i have a lot to say about the gameplay because I was just about to ask, but is there more to it than just the artwork? The the gameplay is like um, I'm I'm gonna speak on behalf of someone who is currently developing this spiritual successor to Betrayal at Crondor. I am willing and able to play a party <laughs> RPG that is essentially like grid based where you have to like turn sharp corners and like just mull through all that kind of shit only because I know it's an old game and that's what they were limited to this game. It's like, a, it's pulling at different ends of me. It's like, it's like grabbing different parts of me that it knows it can touch, but just never hitting any one point like point. So, you're essentially like you're you have a four person party you get to select your characters at the beginning of it which is a little bit different than but actually very different than Crondor because that's a totally like every every party member is just assigned to you but you are in this world that looks like it should be a free movement first person game and yet it's grid movement mm. and it's awful it's like, ugh, I hate this. And I don't I don't know that I hate it because it's Griv movement or because it looks like it shouldn't be. Does that make sense? Yeah. It feels like it shouldn't be. And you're just being constantly swarmed by the like sewer rats and like spiders and shit like that. Now it's the one with the spider. Oh, I had to look yeah. away from that part. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like not fun. To play and and I'm I'm sure if I give it a second run and with some explanation, I'll like I kind of understand like what the mechanics are a little bit better. But it's like I don't have anything to compare it to. You're expected to you each of your four party members has an attack, and you're assigned an attack for like party member one's attack is one party member you know two and three and four. Mm-hmm. And all I did because I didn't really have any real tutorial on how I'm supposed to attack this is like I'm just gonna mash one two three and four and hopefully I kill the enemy and then your archer runs out of ammo and, and you, you have die. to like you have to manually go pick up the ammo so like once she's exhausted from ammo like you're just done like you're just she's done and it just felt wrong it, everything about this game and and Voitech and everyone else said mm-hmm. you know whoever's developing this game like I, I love you like I have nothing but respect for you but like it just did not hit for me I think you mentioned um, that if you picked it up a second time and had some explanation and went back, you would probably like it more. I see that happening a lot, that people say, no, how, how would I put this? My dad is a writer, and I proofread his stuff. 
every week I proofread a new chapter. And if there's anything I have a problem with, like I don't understand where he's going with this, or I, I think he should rework it or whatever, I'll mark it down for him. And he will read through all my like edits and he will be like, oh, but that's because, and he will start explaining it to me face to face. And I always have to remind him, it's fine that you're giving me this explanation now, but I need you to have it already in your book because you won't be there to explain it to every reader. It needs to be there the first time because otherwise I'll put it down and not come back to it. It's the same here. Like you shouldn't have to go back a second time, pick it up and get an explanation. That should have been there from the beginning because otherwise they lose you unless like, you know, you're you, you will go back and do it a second time, but other people out there, like they won't, they'll just get their money back and that's it. Well, it's like, the the only tutorial you get is just like a explanation of the mechanics like mm-hmm. key like here here are the mechanics like key keys to action yeah at the very beginning of the game and it's not a matter of whether or not i can tell that they intended to make exactly what they made i don't understand how they intended to be fun yet no. And that's a problem. I I just feel like it's a it's a game with a very clear intention and I don't know what the intention is. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. They like they want it to be like a, a 90s dungeon crawler in every sense of the word except for graphics. And yeah. if that's the case, like that's cool, but like most people nowadays, me included, did not play those nineties dungeon crawlers. We didn't play like the, you know, your unreal art, sorry, um, Ultima underworlds and your, your betrayal of Crondors and your you know, games like that. And so just the mechanics just feel like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here. Yeah. Uh, with that said, I hope that people listening to this go give Skullstone a try. And like, if you like it, if you really dig it and you have feedback and you have like, a real explanation of like, oh, you're just dumb, Ty. Like you should figure <laughs> it out. Like, like you should just understand this. Then, like, let me know why, and I'll I'll try it again. I I really mean that because I I believe in Voitex vision. I just don't know what that vision is currently. <laughs> That's all. Um. So yeah, Skullstone, Supplies. Yes. This is an interesting one because I think. I originally expected supplies to get picked up by Hellforge Studios, but it ended up being picked up by Hyper Strange. And I, business wise, don't have no idea why a studio as big and as uh, diverse as Hyper Strange is would pick up supplies. Not because it's not an amazing game, because it is, but because it's a Doom Engine game. And so there are all these licensing problems around using a Doom Engine game on Steam. Uh, I, I'll, of course, totally encourage every every blossoming young individual out there who's like thinking about making games like, yeah, jump into the damage and go all the way in publish a game with it because they're not really worried about like stupid shit, like steam integration and achievements and all that kind of crap. That you get. Yeah. Yeah. But for, for your average, you know, studio or publisher, like that shit matters to them. Usually hyper strange, uh, roll, uh, seemingly rolled the dice on supplies and said like, huh? See, I'm in a rhyme. I'm in a rhyme. 
I'm proud of you. So Supplies is a GZ dimension, first person shooter, straight up. It's it's a game where you start off and you have a badass like machine gun and there are these like ugly, hideous monstrous sprites that are coming at you from all angles and they're just like doing the it's a doom game. It is it is basically just doom. Um one of the frustrations I had is that I can't tell and it doesn't tell you that jumping is not right. Yeah, you mentioned that when you were playing it. You were like so mad. Well I'm not mad about it. I'm just like if it's not intended because I'm, I'm used to the Doom modding scene. I know that some games, I should say maps slash mods, are intended for jump and some are not. Because Doom didn't originally, uh, you know, there was no jumping in, in Doom from the get-go. So if they're designing their levels in a way that jumping would break them, that's cool. But my what, what initially frustrated me is that I don't know whether or not that's the case. And because I don't know whether or not that's the case, my instinct is to jump. Yeah. And when I go into the second ethereal universe that is the menu of GZ Doom, <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to assign it or not. Like, do Am I expected to assign a jump key to a commercial game? Or should it just be there by default? Or should it just be said ahead of time, like, you don't get to jump? Or should I just accept that it's not there from the get-go, so it's not to be expected? And the reason why I'm so concerned with it is because I I am currently on a dev team with a GZ Doom project. And one of my biggest things that I said right out the box was, Uber, anything at all, that is supposed to be default should actually be default when you start the game. I don't, I don't want players having to do the typical GZ doom thing where they like jump in and they're like, Oh, is this, is this a jump mapper or not? I should go assign that. That should not be anyone's first impression of a game. It should, you should absolutely have the default expectation Settled right then and there. You should be able to play a gate, play a game straight out the gate. I agree. Yeah. Um, should is a strong word, as we, as you and I both know. But oh my god, yes. But what is hopefully is what ought be if you're mm-hmm. trying to sell somebody something. But supplies, if you're a doomer, if you're a hardcore ass doomer, especially, totally worth it. If it were not a public game, like a public, uh, fuck. If it were not a published game, if it were not a commercial product, I would still recommend it. It's a, it's a badass Doom mod at its worst. And at its best, it's a really interesting um, attempt at a, at a retro shooter that someone much smarter than me very, very clearly felt deserved attention. <laughs> so I recommend at least given the demo shot to everyone out there. Cheers. I'll drink to that, bro. I got my goblet today. Mm, I see. Very nice. So the last game on our list is Raze. Oh, that looked really, really cool. Like 
to the point where I recommended it to one of my other friends. After a, uh, I started off with postal brain damage and then I went on to Frozenheim, which, so like two games that I love more than anything in the world. And then I went through like three games and I'm just like, two of them, I'm like, yeah. One of them, I'm like, good if you like Doom, but if you don't like Doom, it's probably not for you. Raze is like, I love Cyberhook. I don't know if you, you probably wouldn't like Cyberhook because of your motion sickness. Yeah. But Raze is like, for that crowd, it's for the the speed running, the the platforming crowd. It, it you are not required to do anything but point your mouse and click and just go. And and it's all about momentum. It's all about aim. It's all about uh, positioning. That that's the entire. You only have like, as far as I can tell, you only have the ability to go or break. That's it. Yeah. Oh, and and maneuver so you don't run into things. No, you can't maneuver. That's the thing. No. So your maneuvering is based on your aim. It's like, oh, you, you know what I mean? Okay. It's like you can't yeah. like dodge around stuff. There's no air control. It's like I point at that, I click on it, I zoom towards it, and then mm. you have to like, you have to like see the next thing around the corner before you hit the wall. Click on that, and hopefully that'll get you out of the situation. That's the skill of the game, and plus it has a really badass like kind of retro wave soundtrack yeah the soundtrack is really great and yeah that uh, initially the first thing i thought was like gilmo would love this game this is perfect for him <laughs> but raise is really cool i uh, i think that anyone could have a good time playing that demo i will say right out the gate the demo compared to the trailer when you're watching like gameplay footage of like what's to come is nothing close to that it's very easy and simple and pretty much any idiot in, in their basement could figure out how to play this and, and do a pretty good job at it. I was like ranking not a lot of people. You ranked 35th yet. at one point. Yeah. yeah. That is not indicative of how good I am. It is only indicative of the number of people who have checked it out yet, but I do recommend everyone listening to this. If you're into, if you're into platforming, speed running, um, whatever the fuck like the demo was really short it was very short it was like five levels and they're not long levels because it's it's not like you're fighting enemies or like solving puzzles you're just you're clicking doing the thing yeah Yeah. and then and honestly the best level of the whole thing is the the end credit level because you get an extra level as you're watching the end credits where you just like you're doing the same thing over and over again but you get faster and faster and faster as you go you get better and better at better at the game mechanic. Very nice. I like that. I like looking at it. I would probably, I would probably like playing it as well. I don't think that's one of those that I would get motion sick from. But anyway, uh, that's pretty much it. That's all I have prepared to, for this this whole thing. Two hours. I think that's pretty good. I will. Uh, See everyone maybe next week with something awesome, I hope. Probably from somebody at In The Keep to talk about one of the games intimately. But that's really all I got. How intimately? I mean, like... 
Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Something to look forward to. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I love you. Alex loves you. The Drown God Cathala loves you. And until next time, stay in the key.